Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on October the 30th, 2016. Don't you love the stories that are coming out now? We've never had so much in the way of soap operas, really, have we, for a long, long time. And things have been defined so almost clinically as uh, right-wing versus this strange conglomeration they call socialists left-wing today, uh, of made up of multi-billionaires at the top and uh, guys that fund the, the colour revolutions inside your own country and outside too and seem to be able to do it without, with impunity. So you really have all these... It's, I mean, it's a great novel, isn't it? Really, it's a good novel that's going on right now. You've got financial meltdowns just waiting to happen with all the crooks at the top, run by the secret government, runs, runs all sides and all parties. And, and meanwhile, when you look at what could be going on and what should be done about things or anything like that, oh, no, you're going to go, you might have a war with Russia. Oh, my goodness, there's suddenly been... I remember saying back in ninety, I think it was, if they ever need a... Uh, an enemy, because I always need an arch enemy to you see, that's what the, the US has always done and uh, other empires before it, of course, use the same technique so they'd have to reinvent one or else they would resurrect the great bear, you know, the bad bear of, of the Soviet Union uh, and, and that's what, exactly what they're doing, they fall in the script you see, fall in the script and at the same time when the US politics is bogged down in scandal, which is, scandal only happens when something snuck out into the media or the public information uh, arena that is not supposed to be there. And um, and then, then too, you have to wonder if it's supposed to be there as well, because you really are dealing with uh, the tricks of intelligence services and propaganda experts. Think about that. Think whenever you read anything, always think about what's behind this and behind this and behind that, and don't drive yourself crazy because that's how furtive and deep intelligence agencies and disinformation experts all go. Because remember, the whole idea is to capture your mind, all of you, capture your minds, in order to make you think that oh, the world is falling, the sky's falling, and you better basically. Uh, all pray to your betters, you know, that particular breed of uh, people above you, they've been trained to believe are above you, the intelligentsia, the, 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 those who are, are financial wizards always plunder you and send the money to, to, to money heaven and then they get back in again to keep it all going. It's, it's just astonishing the, the games that they play. Same games over and over. But when they pull so many of the games and put them on the board at the same time, it shows you there's a major change that they want. Believe you me, that they want. <laughs> the, the secret shadow government. They want, you see. That's what they want. And out of that will come the solution. And you'll be breathing release saying, my goodness, don't only crash the economy till, till, till your, your currency is worth half of what it was. I thought it was going to go down to one, maybe 10% of what it was, but at least you've got 50%. Le- you know, you breathe a sigh of relief. Then you'll say, well, they made a deal with Russia and we're not going to get blown up after all. And you breathe a sigh of relief and, and on and on it goes. And that's, that's how the big boys at the top maintain control over their system. Not not what you think is the little front people they put in front of you, 
to be your system, you think it's developed by itself, it's their system at the top. Everything you do, in fact, is authorised in your daily life and, and made to be that way. To, to even your obedience to change the clocks, I think in a week's time or so, and go along with it because some god decided to to create this law, this kind of law. They could all change at the same time, even though very few of us farm anymore, and even the farmers didn't need it, when, even when you have it. I mean, it's kind of pointless, isn't it? And you're trained in so many ways, even with how you dress and what to wear and and how to converse with other people. Today you're trained more than ever how to converse with other people because you, you better be careful too and maybe not even use the word people anymore because everything's changing by those who control you and control your minds until you're into Brave New World in a very, very radical way because it is definitely coupled with uh, the Orwellian prospect of, of 1984. The threats always come along if you don't go along with changing how you think and how you perceive things to be. Remember, to deceive a whole planet, you first must make sure the individual adopts and adapts into the new system which you're creating for them. And they'll use the proper terminology. And just remember that the same people who brought you your capitalist side on one side and they brought you your communist side on the other. And then they gave you the purges in the communist Trotskyist side. Because like you say, they're Trotskyists, you see. These are the people who, they had show trials to show the public that you too could be in that dock there with a sentence of death looming upon you and over you because you didn't go along with something. And, and you'll see the people in the dock weeping with tears after getting tortured forever, and, and all kinds of torture. And, and, and that could be you. That could be you. Because you said something. Or you may have used old think, you know, the way you used to talk when you would perceive things for yourself and come to a conclusion for yourself. That's not allowed anymore. I'll be touching on that later on too. We are in that system. It's the same system, mind you, that they brought in in China, communist China, with uh, the so-called cultural revolution for the youth. So they would use the youth then, who are already communist and brainwashed, to then get rid of the, the old think people, people who'd helped in the revolution, in fact, just like the Soviet Union did. Uh, they, always, they always do the same techniques, if you, you notice. Because, because even though you were communist and helped to fight in revolution, you still had were tainted. Your thinking was tainted with memories of the old system that, that, that were still around inside your head, you see. And that, that might get spread to other people. We can't have that. This is getting used now with the way you speak and what you say, how you perceive things. Until the radical turn on everybody, just like the, it's very much like the. It's strange, isn't it? Or is it strange actually? Or is it the same group or movement behind it all? And that movement, of course, is the one that had the French Revolution, where eventually they they were slaughtering each other with a guillotine. It truly will be interesting to see 
the real enforcement, the real enforcement to what is going to be forced on people, already is, but it's under law. It's a matter of time before they start building up all the cases against people who have thought for themselves. Seriously. Look around you today. Look at the incredible amount of propaganda and indoctrination people have been subjected to at a very early age. Constant, constant from all media, mainstream media especially. And education as well. Education is just total indoctrination today. Complete. It's not there to free the mind up to think for itself by using logic and reasoning. It's to make sure that everyone comes out completely indoctrinated. Completely indoctrinated. And, and with the knowledge that they better go along with everything. They know that already if they want to get on in life. I mean, they'll be very politically correct. Or else. Believe you me, it's coming down. And look at the, the dazed look on people's eyes today. They, 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 they literally look as though they're not quite with you at any time at all. They're bombarded with data. Bombarded. D- data is just noise. It's noise. It doesn't have to be truth or truthful news or, or information at all. It's just data. And, and they're literally loaded with it. Never mind all the movies I've watched and all the, all the, the fiction that's helped to unload data into their brains as well or download data. It's all there, and look at the end results. They, they, they look at people being beat up in real time often with all their gadgets today. It doesn't free them up. It makes it worse because they're not horrified. They're not horrified at all by what they're seeing. They soak up stuff depicting the same kind of material via the fictional media. And when they see the real thing happening, it's more of a curiosity they have, like a mild curiosity. They're, they're not really involved in it as folk get slaughtered or bombed from the air. Uh, and, and they also have their own governments telling them that this is a good thing, that these folks should be bombed because they're not nice people. Uh, it's amazing, isn't it, how easy the, the techniques are, are applied of propaganda to make you dislike or be or even feel neutral or even irrelevant regarding the people that you're seeing getting blown up or, or killed by their own militaries. The same technique, remember, comes home because when that's happening abroad, with with the with the applaud of the public or at least the even the passivity of the public or disinterest of the public, this big eating machine will come back round to you, and you will find yourself going through something perhaps similar in your own country, is, is, is that force, that force behind all of this is unleashed upon you by your own governments, by silencing you. Well, what do you think silencing means? That just, there's the ultimate silencing, isn't there? And then there's the, the other techniques that are used by threats, coercion. All these things are used, but ultimately they silence you. That's what silencing really means. We're in that phase today. We we truly are. And believe you me, when you see what's called, what's often called the progressive left, all gleeful and feeling triumphant, and they really do, because they think they've won all these rights, 
to condemn everybody else and, and decide what's right or wrong within society. They really feel that, that, uh, that they've won something. They don't realize there's one system that runs everything from the top. And that the people who are silent about it, the multi-billionaires and trillionaires, etc., the top trilateralists, for instance, leave it all alone. Well, it's because these guys are the guys who decided this is the society they've created for you to follow. And they ain't going to lose out because of anything that you do. <laughs> if anything, it'll help them control society down below them, way down below there, much, much easier. There are many ways to get propaganda across. Generally, it's done by giving you what you think are stories, like news stories, like real, truthful bits of news. But in actual facts, they, they, they take away a, a good half of the story, or even three quarters of the story, which would really inform you as to what are the movements or powers really behind something. That's the, the simplest way to do it. And all governments use this technique. It's amazing to me to, to read some of the articles that literally foster ignorance. And at the same time, convince the public that obviously this must be a good thing because they keep saying it is. The average person might even parrot that back to you. Well, it's good, isn't it? But they don't know why it's good for you. Because they don't know. It was like the, the British idea of joining the EU. It was sold as going to be a great thing. Jobs, jobs, jobs. For everybody. And wealth down the road. Never telling you that the whole intention of it was to make you poorer overall. And you'd be run by a government across the water, this entity that really is a foreign thing, it's an alien thing, because it, it's not a nation as such. It's not, it, it, again, it was set up by private individuals using technocracy, the techniques of technocracy, believing the world should be run by themselves, experts, and run by, above them, the, the most powerful, wealthiest people on the planet. And that was also part of the Council on Foreign Relations, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, and then the real, the real, might call them shock troops that they place into all top positions across the world, the World Bank, the International Monetary Fund, all your central bank systems, often to do with uh, trading across the planet for your nation. These are all trilateral commission members, and they're all part of the one private organization. And so is your intelligence service of, the, of your nation, too, your top one and your foreign one. It's all part of it, too. That's why, they, they, do you realize that your, your culture was managed by the CIA, most of you out there, across Europe, too, since at least World War II finished? They gave you your culture. They altered it all. They got the private groups in. To, to create the new culture for what was called a socialized world, which, again, their masters above them would control. It's all been pretty well done. And remember, too, once someone's indoctrinated even in the lower levels into this culture, 
that they think where they think they're spearheading it, they're behind it all, and they're radical. It means they're full of anger, anger, terrifying anger and hate. You, you can't rationalize or even have a conversation. They'll kill you. When you start putting them in power on behalf of the masters on the top, it's because the masters at the top want this dysfunctional society down below. A very obedient society. And even those who are persecuting you personally won't know that themselves. They think they're in charge. What a joke. But you've got to admit, it's rather diabolically incredibly clever, isn't it? I'll give you an example, though, what I'm talking about from a Canadian article. And it mentions Trudeau. I guess it's junior, you know, since they had the senior who's dead now. Takes because love dynasties, don't they? As front people, really. It takes off to sign the EU trade deal, but skies ahead aren't clear. And it's about Canada signing the CETA deal. They don't talk much about CETA. They've got all these other things on the go at the same time to distract you. And they have taught the public, most of the public, to be ignorant of all these deals and what they're really, what's really behind them and what their purpose or purposes happen to be. But they talk about the CETAs as say that, that Canada initially had it turned down by Belgium. And the EU Union is based there, of course, that's why it's there. And it says it was twice, um, well, it's turned down anyway. But anyway, it's been passed now. Well, it, means when, it means that there was forces in those countries that were waiting with their hands out. That's what it generally means when there's disagreements on, on these big, big agreements. Because these agreements bind you into political systems and commercial systems and economic systems. And eventually the whole purpose, just like the EU, it was to create a type of world government. Anything to do with internationalism and world government and extranational government systems or supranational government systems was to be uh, lauded, and that's what, where it is today. Marx talked about that too. And they could split the world up into three super parliaments uh, under a world government. Each one would lead towards even more need for a world government, and that's what you're going through. And you think it's just happening by itself. It's an old plan. And it says here that the CETA is, is quite a, a deal, quite a deal. And it says here that uh, Martin Schultz, a presidential equipment speaker, uh, took part in it. He wanted CETA's passage to boost his ambition to run for Germany's chancellor next year, things like that. Everybody's got their hands out. All these careerists want their hands, they get their hands out. They want to be filled with cash from across the whole planet, including Canada's. And there'll be people in Canada too that'll get their, their hands full of cash as well with dealing with all of this. But it also means that now a foreign governments, plural, which are really sub-governments to the EU Parliament, will also have a say in what is done inside Canada. And again, it's lauded by the far left because they're told what they laud by, what they think is their superiors in the far left. Uh, and it's going to mean internationalism, which they think is a wonderful thing without realizing you can have international anything, including fascism. <laughs> it doesn't make any difference, really. It's all the same power behind it all. And it all helped go towards their whole idea. They've been told it's great, too, this con of sustainability to do with global warming and climate change. They actually say that, too. 
therefore it's got to be a good thing, you see. And that's how it's all pushed. People don't think. So by omission, and without telling them, this is a very old idea, so over 100 years old. And they don't tell them too about all the big corporations, the CEOs or the, the heads of the corporations, at least the front men, who are all on board for, for their own particular agenda because they're on part of the same club. They're the new feudal system, as Carl Quigley said. He was a historian for the CFR, remember? And the CEOs are on board with all these changes because they, on behalf of all their investors at the top, the people above them, the real people who rule the world, the really big, high characters, want it this way to, to benefit themselves. Therefore, it's got to be a great thing, you see. These things have been thought out by your better, your superiors. And lots in academia are on board with it too. And your trilaterals, as I said before, uh, there's about 100 in the States and Canada, I think, and 100 in the European Union, and another 100 in the Far East. This was the whole idea of the setting up of this system. They would really run on behalf of their big organization. They'd really run governments across the world and the financial systems across the world. And all the money that they would tax off of you would go through their own banks, of course, at the top, uh, international ones, and they would be in charge of us totally. And they would use the far left to use their indoctrination to change us, destroy the family unit, all these things, and because then they'd have no opposition left to stand up to it all. That's all part of it. That's not my opinion either. But they won't mention that in here, uh, these articles. In fact, you get very little out of it at all. You really will get very little uh, out, out of it. It doesn't tell you the history behind all of this. The private organizations at the top that run all this, and that, uh, that create the whole idea of it, and the people involved, or the trilaterals, I won't mention them at all. And that's how you're brainwashed. That somehow it's some natural thing just evolving by itself, and it must be good. And, and it's fantastic, really, when you, you look at what's happened across the whole of Europe and how your same press can ignore what happens across the whole of Europe. Another thing, too, is nothing in the media, nothing in the press is independent. It truly is. If something is independent in the press, someone's head is going to roam because the press is a technique of controlling the minds of the people. Always has been. That's why it's authorized and licensed. And that's why they go to, to top meetings and, and top uh, political meetings. And they just, they, they actually, remember Rockefeller himself, after one of the, the global meetings and the Bilderberg meeting too, he said himself that he thanked the press for keeping what they've been up to for years, including their agenda, secret from the public. He, that's what he told the reporters who are also uh, working on behalf of their bosses, who are members of the big private organization that runs the world. Anyway, several top journalists and TV news anchors RSVP'd, yes, to attend a private off-the-record gathering in New York, home of Joel Benenson, the chief campaign strategist for Hillary Clinton, two days before she announced her candidacy in 2015, according to emails, WikiLeaks, published from John Podesta's purported accounts. 
The guest list for an earlier event at the home of John Podesta was limited to reporters who were expected to cover Clinton on the campaign trail. The email thread starts with Jesse Ferguson, the campaign's Deputy National Press Secretary and Senior Spokesman, describing the venues and targets audience of each gathering. We wanted to make sure everyone on this email had the latest information on the two upcoming dinners with reporters. Both are off the record. And it gives you a rundown of Thursday night, Friday night and all the rest. Who's coming, blah, blah. Cocktails and dinners with John Podesta. And uh, they give you all the, the, the top characters from the ABC News, from CBS, CNN, MSNBC and NBC. These are all the folk who are expected to be on board. And no doubt, too, they'll fill out the, the, the characters to make sure they personally get some kind of reward, too, apart from just their, their booze and their dinner at these kind of meals. That's how the world really works, isn't it? Isn't it? It's so true, isn't it? And they'll they'll play the game. They're told to play the game. Or, mind you, if they were reporters and they don't play the game, they're fired the next day, or worse. Also, this is interesting. I've said there's only one system. I've given the talks over the years about this one system. And how even with the neoconservatives who came out with the New American Century plan to bomb across the entire Middle East and into Africa, because that was part of their plan too, is to create this global governance idea and uh, dominate it all for themselves at the top financially by stealing the resources of all the countries that they massacre. That's an old idea, but they, they still do it today, you see. It works awfully well. And you'll find that article that, that I mentioned before, be in the archive section at cuttingthroughthematrix.com, where you'll find that Rumsfeld, Donald Rumsfeld, thanked Obama, when Obama took over with with what folk thought was a left socialist group, uh, for continuing the same agenda. Well, naturally they continued, because they're all working for the same bosses at the top. (laughs) That's why it's continued. That's why it's continued. Anyway, here's some more proof here. It says, Citigroup chose Obama's 2008 cabinet. WikiLeaks document reveals. This is one month before the presidential election of 2008, the giant Wall Street bank Citigroup submitted to the Obama campaign a list of his preferred candidates for cabinet positions in an Obama administration. So here you have a big Wall Street bank submitting who they want to get put in. The list corresponds almost exactly to the eventual composition of Barack Obama's cabinet. The memorandum revealed by WikiLeaks in a recent document released from the email account of John Podesta, who currently serves as Hillary Clinton's campaign chair, was written by Michael Froman, who was then an executive with Citigroup and currently serves as the U.S. Trade Representative. The email is dated 6, uh, 6th of October 2008 and bears a subject line lists. It went to Podesta a month before he was named chairman of Pod- or President-elect Obama's transition team. The email was sent at the height of the financial meltdown that erupted after the bankruptcy of Lehman Brothers September the 15th. Even as Citigroup and its Wall Street counterparts were dragging the US and world economy into its deepest crisis since the 1930s, there remained, as this email shows, the real power behind the facade of American democracy and its electoral process. Froman's list proved remarkably prescient. 
As it proposed, Robert Gates, a Bush holdover, became Secretary of Defense. Eric Holder became Attorney General. Janet Napolitano, Secretary of Homeland Security. Ram Emanuel, White House Chief of Staff. Susan Rice, United Nations Ambassador. Arne Duncan, Secretary of Education. Kathleen Sebelius, Secretary of Health and Human Services. Peter Orzag, Head of the Office of Management and Budget. Eric Shinseki, Secretary of Veterans Affairs and Melody Barnes, Chief of the Domestic Policy Council. For the highly sensitive position of Secretary of the Treasury, three possibilities were presented. Robert Rubin and Rubin's close disciples, Lauren Summers and Timothy Geithner. Obama chose Geithner, then President of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. Geithner, along with the Bush Treasury Secretary and former Goldman Sachs CEO, Henry Paulson and Fed Chairman Ben Bernanke, had played the leading role in organizing the Wall Street bailout. Rubin had served as Treasury Secretary of, in the Bill Clinton administration from 1995 until 1999, when he was succeeded by Summers. In that capacity, Rubin and Summers oversaw the dismantling of the Glass-Steagall Act from 1933, that was in, which had imposed a legal wall separating commercial banking from investment banking. Immediately after leaving Treasury, Rubin became a top executive at Citigroup, remaining there until 2009. A notable aspect of the Froman memo is its use of identity politics, which seems to be all the rage these days, eh? Among the Citigroup executive lists of proposed hires to Podesta were a diversity list, including African-American, Latino and Asian-American candidates, broken down by cabinet deputy and under assistance deputy assistant level, and Froman's words, and a similar document on women. Froman also took diversity into account for his White House cabinet list, probability weighting the likelihood for appointing a diverse candidate for each position. Canada's just done the same, actually. This list concluded with a table breaking down the 31 assignments by race and gender. Citigroup's recommendations came just three days after the then-President George W. Bush signed into law the Troubled Asset Relief Program, which allocated $700 billion in taxpayer money to rescue the largest Wall Street banks. The single biggest beneficiary was Citigroup, isn't that coincidence, which was given $45 billion in cash in the form of government stock purchase, plus a $306 billion government guarantee to back up its worthless mortgage-related assets. Then-presidential candidate Obama played a critical political role in shepherding the massively unpopular bank bailout through Congress. The September financial crash convinced the sections of the U.S. corporate financial elite that the Democratic candidate of hope and change would be better positioned to contain popular opposition to the bailout than his Republican rival, Senator John McCain of Arizona. As President Obama would not only funnel trillions of dollars to the banks, he saw to it that not a single leading Wall Street executive faced prosecution for the orgy of speculation and swindling that led to the financial collapse and Great Recession, and he personally intervened to block legislation capping executive pay at bailed-out firms. The same furtive and corrupt process is underway in relation to Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump administration. Froman's email is one of many thousands released by WikiLeaks from the account of Podesta. These communications, such as the Froman email, which exposed who really rules America, have bought mil- It doesn't really show who really, just some of them, gives you clues, have been virtually ignored by the media. The pro-democracy party 
called New Republic, uh, called attention to an, an article published Friday, but the story has received little, if any, further coverage. That actually came initially from the World Socialist website. Because you can read everything, you understand? E- even though the socialists don't know themselves what they, they're supposed to be. Because it's, it's like everything else now. They keep changing what they really does. Eh? Like, once you have big, big groups of people, you give them a few slogans, and they, know they all think they're all camarades. Uh, together and then gradually change it until they're, they're actually doing your bidding from the very, very top and they'll never know what's at the top when you join big groups you lose your own thought process that's why they use it that's why they create big groups they've always done this now, I'm also going to put up what's at stake in the election, Paul Craig Roberts. He has some good articles. It says here that the prostitutes who control America's minds. This is from a long experience in journalism. I know the American public is not very sharp. That part's true, but then no public is sharp of it. If it's brought up to be incredibly well entertained, which means distracted and indoctrinated, Incredibly well indoctrinated through through education as well, even very basic stuff from education, and, and again brought and raised to be very naive, believing that everything that's there when they're born and they're raised must be normal because it's there. It's that simple, isn't it? Anyway, says uh, they're not very sharp. Nevertheless, it's difficult for me to believe that Americans whose jobs careers and the same for their children grandchildren have been sold out by the elites who Hillary represents would actually vote for her. It makes no sense. If this were the case, how did Trump get the Republican nomination despite the vicious prostitute campaign against him? It seems obvious that the majority of Americans who have been suffering terribly at the hands of the 1% who own Hillary lock, stock and barrel will not vote for the people who have ruined their lives and the lives of their children and grandchildren. Furthermore, if Trump's election is impossible, as the prostitutes tell us, Hillary's win is 93% certain, according to the latest prostitute announcement or pronouncement. The vicious 24-7 attacks on Trump would be pointless, wouldn't they? Why the constant frenetic vicious attacks on a person who has no chance? There are reports that a company associated with Hillary backer George Soros is supplying the voting machines to 16 states, including the states that determine election outcomes. So I don't know that these reports are correct. However, I, I do know for a fact that their oligarch interests at rural America are opposed to Trump being elected president for the simple reason that they are unsure that they would be able to control him. And that's more to the point when you really understand there's only one system running not just the U.S. or Canada, but the world. And its tricks are awfully good to make you think there are multiple groups or diversities of uh, politics. Because they always put in their, their heads of all the different groups which they create, just like they put in Obama. It's hard to believe that dispossessed Americans will vote for Hillary, the representative of those who have dispossessed them. When Trump says he will re-empower the dispossessed, Hillary has denigrated ordinary Americans, who, she says, she's so removed from by her wealth that she doesn't even know who they are. Clearly, Hillary paid $675,000 by Goldman Sachs for three 20-minute speeches. It's not a representative of the people. She represents the 1% whose policies 
have flushed the prospects of ordinary Americans down the toilet. By the way, if you don't know it, I think Bill is one of the members of the Trilateral Commission. The Trilateral Commission run the world right now. They set up your your union for, for, uh, through the Council on Foreign Relations, which is all part of the one organization, really. But they set up the trilaterals, along with the CFR, the, which is their, the main general body of them all. The trilaterals are pulled out of them and given a higher agenda of being natural, as I say, shock troops. But Bill is, is, is one of them. They'll never turn on their own because they run the world today. They're on the socialist parties too at the top. They're on the banking systems that we're all into. They're on the, the IMF. They're on the central banks. They appoint the technocrats into, remember, when the bank collapses in Greece and then Italy, they appointed their own boys straight in. No, no votes. And they were both uh, trilateral members. And you think your vote matters right now? The only vote that matters is if you had a true vote to vote out the system that runs already rules you. And not be stupid enough to, to vote on the first one that presents itself as its arch enemy. Because that'll be theirs too. What is really disturbing is the pretense that the prostitute scum that Trump's looted admiration for female charms is deemed more important than the prospect of nuclear war. At no time during the presidential primaries or during the current presidential campaign has been mentioned that Russia is being assaulted daily by propaganda which is stepping up even more and more and more as uh, Hillary is being exposed. And uh, threatened by military build-ups and being convinced that the United States and its European vassals are planning an attack. A threatened Russia made insecure by inexplicable hostility and Western propaganda is a danger manufactured by the neoconservative supporters of Hillary Clinton. If the American people are really so unbelievably stupid that they think lewd remarks about women are more important than avoiding nuclear war. The American people are too stupid to exist. Now, here's a, th- a point here, too. Uh, is isn't just American people. I mean, Canada's press has been completely the same as the U.S. press, uh, with all their pictures of Donald Trump on the front page of magazines. And all oh, evil. He's, he's, the, he's the devil. He's everything. And... Um, they will deserve the mushroom clouds that will wipe them and everyone else off the face of the earth. And let's be honest here, uh, the tricks have been played in this this particular election are standard, they're standard, they always build up, well, you're not a really trustworthy person, you, you, you fancy, you fancy maybe even the opposite sex, maybe that's maybe bad now too, I don't know. But um, the thing is, People who complain, who get, who fall for all this stuff, if they fall at all, I really don't think anybody can fall for this rubbish anymore. They're watching pure, it's really prostitution taking place and, and all their, all their internet sites and everything else, but they're going to be shocked about it. Come off it. Come off it. Ugh. Donald Trump is the only candidate in the primaries of the general election who has said that he sees no point in conflict with Russia when Putin has shown nothing but desire to work things out to mutual advantage. In contrast, Hillary has declared the thrice-elected president of Russia to be the new Hitler and has threatened Russia with military action. Hillary talks open about regime change in Russia. Surely in a free media, at least one, a free media, at least one person in the print and TV media would raise this most important of all points, but where have you seen it? Well, you see, 
you won't see it because it's all part of one system. Obviously, to control the system on behalf of those who already rule the world, you have to make sure that all the media is your own and everybody's on board with you. Right down to having wars start, if need be, to truly divert the public off into the next terrifying phase of we all must come together as one, which will be their benefit, actually, because that's what they want, isn't it? World, a world governance. And the right, the, the right written into everything to totally indoctrinate the children into a complete system under the pretense that it will never happen again if they get that right given to them. There's, there's a reason for everything that happens, and it's discussed by countless think tanks way up there. Now here's an article too. NATO squares up to Putin as Russia beefs up its military might on Europe's border. The West responds with the biggest show of force since the Cold War. Actually, it's the other way around. It's the other way around. And it says armoured forces, including 800 UK troops, were sent to Estonia for six-month deployment next May. I'll put up tonight a link to a documentary by... He's actually the brother of the famous or infamous Christopher Hitchens. And Peter Hitchens is his name. He he lived in Russia for, for a couple of years, and he was actually a Marxist at one point and completely turned against it. But he tells you the truth about what's happening with that fleet that's been sent to... to uh, Actually, we've passed it through the channel, actually, which is international waters. But uh, what would you do if you were threatened with, even as a sideline, just to get the the heat off of somebody or a bunch of people inside the U.S.? But I'll put this up to show you how they give you the fear-fear thing, which is uh, standard technique, standard technique. I can remember when Ronald Reagan called the Soviet Union, the great Satan. Then they changed it again. and put, I think then they hit, my, my, I think it was when Bill Clinton was in Milosevic in Serbia. Oh, he, he became the great Satan. And then, then they changed it to Grenada, a little place of Grenada. That became the great Satan as well. It's a standard CIA tactic run by those who create your, your opinions on things uh, the, by using the Bernays techniques, which I'll touch on in a little while, in fact. Now, here is inside the invisible government war propaganda, Clinton and Trump. And this is from John Pilger. This is the American journalist Edward Bernays, is often described as the man who invented modern propaganda. But he wasn't, he didn't invent it. The nephew of Sigmund Freud, is a reason that, 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 that it's all in the same family, you might say who had studied human nature intensely, and definitely there was an agenda behind it all, was Bernays who coined the term public relations as a euphemism for spin and its deceptions for propaganda, for fooling people, including entire nations. In 1929, he persuaded feminists to promote cigarettes for women by smoking in an Easter parade. Behaviour then considered outlandish. One feminist, Ruth Booth, Declared women, light another torch for freedom, uh, fight another sex taboo. Still goes on today, doesn't it? The same techniques. And they paid a lot of money and, and, and put it into the top magazines of the day. 
and they got women who were all dressed up to be the avant-garde of the, the, the new intelligent, uh, forceful woman. Wealthy too, by the way. <laughs> Bernays' influence extended far beyond advertising. His greatest success was his role in convincing the American public to join the slaughter of the First World War. I should mention at this point, too, I don't think it mentions it here in this article, but Bernays worked in a, inside a club that wanted World War I. And his, one of his, the characters he was involved with was Mandel House that run... President Wilson, the U.S. President, Roger Wilson. He ran him. He was the boss. So there was definitely a cabal here involved in, again, planning the the world and this war. And out comes that already planned how to get this and this and this. We'll need a war in order to make this happen. And then, by the way, Bernays, a very young guy at the time, was taken over by Wilson, uh, on the commission for the League of Nations after the World War One, Not bad, not bad doing. Let's get the war started, convince the public and the American people to go and fight it by creating a great Satan, of course. And then we, we our cabal, will be run in charge of this system afterwards too. And the public will never know that there was a different reason for all in the first place. you got to remember too that Bernays went on for through a, different, a few different presidents and brought in to advise them on changing, and again, control of the minds of the people. Anyways, Bernays' influence extended far beyond advertising, and the secret, he said, was engineering the consent of people. You're talking about World War I. Engineering the consent of people in order to control and regiment them according to our will without their knowing about it. You think this, this tampering with the mind and psychology is a new thing? Not at all. Not at all. Read that part again, because people have a very limited ability today. And they truly have. It's dropping all the time. All the surveys MIT show it, which means it's working. All their indoctrination and, and, and dumping of useless data on the people's minds. Their, their attention span is dropping. Anyway, it says, The secret, he said, was engineering the consent of people in order to control and regiment them. Think about that. Control and regiment them. Same thing with all the different parties and groups and etc. They think they're all right. They don't have no idea they're being regimented and controlled by people way above them who have a completely different agenda. According to our will and without their knowing about it. That's a beautiful part, isn't it? You've got to admit it. <laughs> You've got, you got to admit it. He described this as the true ruling power in, in our society and called it an invisible government. Now, I, had a, I did a whole series of these talks years ago on the radio, and you'll find them in the archive session at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Remember, too, you get Cutting Through the Matrix, and you get other dots as well. Make sure you copy them all in case they start pulling them off the air. They've got another one to go to. Back to the article, it says, Today the invisible government has never been more powerful and less understood. In my career as a journalist and filmmaker, I've never known propaganda to insinuate our lives as, as it does now and go unchallenged. Imagine two cities both are under siege by the forces of the government of that country. Both cities are occupied by fanatics who commit terrible atrocities such as beheading people. 
but there's a vital difference. In one siege, the government soldiers are described as liberators by Western reporters embedded with them, who enthusiastically report their battles and airstrikes. There are front-page pictures of these heroic soldiers giving V-signs for victory. There is scant mention of civilian casualties. In the second city in another country nearby, almost exactly the same thing is happening. Government forces are laying siege to a city controlled by the same breed of fanatics. The difference is that these fanatics are supported, supplied and armed by us, by the United States and Britain. They even have a media centre that is funded by Britain and America. Another difference is that the government soldiers laying siege to this city are the bad guys, condemned for assaulting and bombing the city, which is exactly what the good soldiers do in the first city. Confusing? Not really. Such is the basic double standard that is the essence of propaganda. I'm referring, of course, to the current siege of the city of Mosul by the government forces of Iraq, who are backed by the United States and Britain, and to the siege of Aleppo by the government forces of Syria, backed by Russia. One is good and the other one is bad. That's how it's portrayed, you see. What is seldom reported is that both cities would not be occupied by fanatics and ravaged by war if Britain and the United States had not invaded Iraq in 2003. That criminal enterprise was launched on lies strikingly similar to the propaganda that now distorts our understanding of the civil war in Syria. Without this drumbeat of propaganda dressed up as news, the monstrous ISIS and Al-Qaeda and Al-Nusra and the rest of the jihadist gang might not exist, and the people of Syria might not be fighting for their lives today. Some may remember that in 2003 a succession of BBC reporters turning to the camera and telling us that Blair was vindicated as Tony Blair for what turned out to be the crime of the century. The US television networks produced the same validation for George W. Bush. Fox News brought on Henry Kissinger to fuse over Colin Powell's fabrications. Weapons of mass destruction, you see. Same year, soon after the invasion, I filmed an interview in Washington with Charles Lewis, the renowned American investigative journalist. I asked him what would have happened if the freest media in the world had seriously challenged what turned out to be crude propaganda. He replied that if journalists had done their job, there's a very, very good chance we would not have gone to war in Iraq. Remember, all these countries were on the list, written in the 90s and published in the 1990s from the New American Century, the PNAC group, that they wanted taken out. And General Clark reiterated all that too on national television years later, after they'd gone to war through Iraq. There was a whole bunch of countries that hadn't done yet. <laughs> but on them were the ones that they'd been going, all of them around Israel, there's no doubt about it, were on that list. And many more too in parts of Africa. In other words, had journalists done their job, they challenged if, uh, and investigated the propaganda of amplifying it. Hundreds of thousands of men, women and children would be alive today. There'd be no ISIS and no siege of Aleppo or Mosul. You need money and training for this kind of thing, remember. Big money. And you need media to be on board with you for your agendas. There would have been no atrocity on the London Underground on 7th of July 2005. There would have been no uh, flight of millions of refugees. There would be no miserable camps. 
When the terrorist atrocity happened in Paris last November, President Francois Hollande immediately set planes to bomb Syria. And more terrorism followed, predictably the product of Holland's bombast about France being at war and showing no mercy. That state violence and jihadist violence feed off each other is a truth that no national leader has the courage to speak. When the truth is replaced by silence, said the Soviet dissident Yevtushenko, the silence is a lie. The attack on Iraq, the attack on Libya, the attack on Syria happened because a leader in each of these countries was not a puppet of the West. The human rights record of of a Saddam or a Gaddafi were irrelevant. They did not obey orders and surrender control of their country. The same fate awaited Slobodan Milosevic once he had refused to sign an agreement that demanded the occupation of Serbia and its conversion to a market economy. His people were bombed and he was prosecuted in The Hague. Independence of this kind is intolerable. You know, they keep sending armies over for supposedly democracy and, and you know, independence. Stop kidding yourselves. As WikiLeaks has revealed, it was only when the Syrian leader Bashar al-Assad in 2009 rejected an oil pipeline running through his country, and that's awfully good too, because I mentioned that, it's also in com of all the countries and the big moguls uh, that are familiar names that had that owned the companies that wanted to run pipelines, oil pipelines through uh, Syria and a few other countries as well, by the way. But anyway, running through his country from Qatar to Europe that he was attacked, he wouldn't go along with this big international mogul plan. From that moment, the CIA planned to destroy the government of Syria with jihadist fanatics, the same fanatics currently holding the people of Mosul and eastern Aleppo hostage. Why is this not news? The former British Foreign Office official, Carney Ross, who was responsible for operating sanctions against Iraq, told me we would feed journalists factoids of sanitized intelligence or we would freeze them out. That's how it worked. Journalists all know this too. If you don't go along with their agenda, you won't get pulled in to be in the loop on anything at all. Same if you go against the the chosen uh, people for for elections. If you go against them, you won't get brought into the governments to be fed little uh, little bits of information on, on what they're going to what's going to happen in the near future. You're just frozen out. That's how you do it. And that's how democracy works. For those who don't know what democracy is, the West medieval client Saudi Arabia, to which the U.S. and Britain sell billions of dollars worth of arms is at present destroying Yemen, a country so poor that in the best of times half the children are malnourished. Well, that goes along with the world agenda of depopulation, doesn't it? Look on YouTube and you will see the kinds of massive bombs, our bombs that the Saudis use against dirt-poor villages and against weddings and funerals. The explosions look like small atomic bombs, and the bomb aimers in Saudi Arabia work side by side with British officers. This fact is not on the evening news. Propaganda is the most effective where consent is engineered by those with a fine education from Oxford, Cambridge, Harvard, Columbia, and with careers on the BBC, The Guardian, New York Times, The Washington Post, and Canada's got as ones too. These organizations are known as the liberal media. They present themselves as enlightened, progressive tribunes of the moral zeitgeist. They are anti-racist, 
pro-feminist and pro-LGBT. So how can it be bad? You see, that's how they, you know, everything in your head <laughs> is given to you. Clever, eh? Very clever. So how could these liberal leaders in the media be wrong? Hmm? Anyway, it says, and they love war. Well, they speak up for feminism, they support rapacious wars that deny the rights of countless women, including the right to life. In 2011, Libya, then a modern state, was destroyed on the pretext that Muammar Gaddafi was about to commit genocide on his own people. This was the incessant news. There was no evidence. It was a lie. In fact, Britain, Europe and the United States wanted what they like to call regime change in Libya, the biggest oil producer in Africa. Gaddafi's influence in the continent and above all, his independence were intolerable. You can't have them, people going their own way, independent people, can you? Can't do it. Oh, it's evil. It's evil. Oh. Well, <laughs> I'll put all these links up for you to, to look at for yourselves. Uh, and remember, try, try and remember, try and remember history over the last few years at least. And maybe you won't be conned so easily again by those who give us our reality, supposedly. And who create consent. From myself, Alan Watt, in Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you.